0: Hey, welcome to The Outside Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out. Hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. If you have your Bibles on you, uh, we'll be in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. Verses 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And after having done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. life is tough the Bible makes it clear that all of us will face battles throughout our lives we will face struggles of all sorts but as believers we have to understand how to fight these battles we have to understand that though we may face physical battles they're actually spiritual in nature that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but of, of principalities and powers Instead, we are really fighting spiritual enemies. Today, I want to talk to you about armor. There are generally two types of armor mentioned in the Bible. One armor is for the body, one that you would see uh, a soldier go out onto the battlefield with, and the other is for the spirit, for a different type of warfare. But tucked away deep into the details of the Bible, we see a third armor. One that we still use today. A sort of camouflage for our, our internal battles. A type of armor that does not provide victory for the battle, but just a distraction for the situation we're in. You can connect with, it with what I mean if you've ever worn the wrong thing out. I have quick story. I was going to take my beautiful wife Sandra out to dinner one night. We decided to go to this place called The Chop House. Now if you know me, I don't usually dress like this. I'm usually in a ball cap and some jeans. I think I got like one men's warehouse suit and I repented when I bought it, you know. But we decided to go to this place called The Chop House and as we went in, they went and took us to the back and they seated us. And as they seated us, we're waiting to be served and stuff. And I happened to notice that they seated us in the darkest part of the restaurant. We're looking around, and all of a sudden, I I realized why. It was one of those restaurants. There was a lady in Prada over here. There was a guy in Gucci over there. I think the chef was even wearing Michael Kors. And here I am in jeans and a T-shirt. And man, if looks could kill But as we're we're sitting there, looks could kill, and the lady in the product sitting over here, and she's just looking. She's just staring me down. But what we figured out was that what we were wearing had become the distraction for the situation we were in. But the reality of it is many of us, many of us are walking out each day wearing the wrong thing. We're suited up in the wrong armor for the battle. See, as we go about our day, we are surrounded. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that Satan is the God of this world. And in John 8.44, that he is the father of lies. So what this means is that when we go out into the world, we are literally surrounded by the lies of the enemy. Lies about our future, lies about our past. Lies about our lives. Lies about who he is and what he wants to do in your life. If you don't believe me, just turn on your TV. You will have every politician, every celebrity, every singer, every self-help guru trying to sell you weapons to fight battles they've never won. You've got targeted advertising trying to get you to buy stuff you don't need with money you don't have to impress people you don't even like. You've got news media that no longer cares about getting the story right. They just care about getting it first. We live in a time of the most technologically advanced era. The greatest advances you now enjoy today, the things that give you the most comfort, happened just in the last 30 years. But what we're seeing is that suicide is at an epidemic level. Suicide is the highest it's been since the Great Depression. Suicide is now the leading cause, the fourth leading cause of death in the world. The enemy is lying to us. He's lying to us. We are surrounded. We are immersed in a culture of corruption. And the devil is at work behind the scenes in all this. Normalizing these lies in an attempt to to break down your walls, to to, to get you to feel different about these things. The world is trying to give us a strange armor as a distraction for our battles. See, the world can only give you what it has. 1 John 2.16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but of the world. Tonight I want to talk to you about the three ways... Strange armor comes. First night, first way that strange armor comes is it will come by the lust of the eyes. The distraction of covetousness. To covet is to have a strong desire of something of someone else's or just an unnatural desire for something you already have. In short, covetousness is greed. See, the world loves to give the impression the impression that Wealth is the measure of a man. And we begin to covet the things of the world. When we begin to covet the things of the world, our, our focus is taken off God and it's turned on to ourselves. It becomes an idol to us. And ultimately it destroys us. In 2008, the world went through a massive financial crisis. You know this as the, the Great Recession. Mortgages defaulted, banks collapsed, the stock market nosedive, and it all had a central cause. It was covetousness. The world had become greedy. Greedy banks handed out mortgages with no, little to no forethought or oversight. Home loans with adjustable interest rates that would balloon the payment as the rate increased. People began to see the ability to own homes well beyond their means and would later default on those mortgages. And to make it worse... Greedy stockbrokers, in an attempt to cash in on this housing boom, created mortgage-backed securities. So as the homeowners began to to default on the loans, the banks were left holding the properties instead of the mortgages, which collapsed the securities market. It was a domino effect. And it took a worldwide stabilization from the government to, to get the market going back again, all because we had to have bigger and better. And the, ha- the enemy is happy to give you all this if it will take the place of God in your life. See, all too often, we try to link our self-worth with our financial worth. That what I have is an expression of my value. And as we acquire more possessions and we acquire more possessions, we acquire more need. Because the next time we hit the next tax bracket, the next time we buy the next house... As we get up there and we think we should have come to the place where we will have arrived, we see the next mountain to conquer. So it creates a vacuum. We're never full. And instead of worshiping the God of creation, we just end up worshiping the God of what's next. We see this played out in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus in in the story is approached by a rich young ruler Who asked Jesus, what must I do to be saved? Jesus says, you know the commandments. Go and do those. The ruler says, I've done all those things since my youth. What more can I do? And he said, you still lack one thing. He said, go and sell all you have and give to the poor and then come follow me. When the man heard this, he became sad. And he turned around and left. He gave up salvation. For his strange armor. See, Jesus saw his armor. See, for the rich man, his possession became the armor he wore for the battle he was fighting. The battle told him that if he could just earn enough, if he could just have enough, maybe he would be enough. But see, in the battle of self-worth, strange armor just creates strongholds. A famous writer once said, A man is not what he thinks he is. He is what he hides. When we use the things of this world to hide the battle we're fighting, we tend to build a fortress around our dysfunction. It becomes so difficult to receive the truth after building this narrative of distraction. See, the rich man couldn't let go of his wealth in order to gain his freedom. He couldn't wrap his mind that that's what it would take. That, his riches, that he would fit into the gates of heaven, but his riches wouldn't. The rich man could not let go. He had believed this lie of the enemy for so long that he was willing to walk away to protect it. The same thing happened to Pharaoh in the book of Exodus. After bringing the plagues on the people of Egypt because of the hardness of Pharaoh's heart, God finally relented and let the people of Israel go. But even after he released them, he set out to destroy them. Even after he had felt the wrath of God, even after he had seen the power of God poured out on the people of Egypt, he still hardened his heart and was destroyed for it. And honestly, as I read the book of Exodus, I I was wondering, I said, why do we not know the name of Pharaoh? Why are we never told the name of Pharaoh? I believe it's because Pharaoh was a heart condition. I believe he was a stronghold. He was an example of just how difficult it becomes to turn away when the lies we are surrounded with becomes rooted in our spirit. Once they become entrenched, and once we allow ourselves to to become what we hide. But how do we change it? See, Ephesians 6.14 tells us to put on the breastplate of Righteousness. So that we can stand against the lies of the enemy. So that the lies of the enemy doesn't infect our heart. So that our spirit isn't carried away captive. That when trials come and the battle begins, we can stand firm and proclaim that that though I'm hard-pressed, I'm not crushed. Though I'm perplexed, I'm not despaired. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I believe God is telling us to... Today, to take our hearts back from the enemy. To seek righteousness and pursue it. To become service, servants of righteousness, not slaves to sin. That once we have done all we can do to stand, we will stand firm in the Lord and overcome in Christ Jesus. I believe he's telling us today to put down the strange armor. That he wants to give you a better armor. The next armor that the world gives is the lust of flesh. Now, this is anything we hide behind of a carnal nature. Galatians 5, 17 through 21 describes these as sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, drunkenness, rivalries, anger, and jealousy. Our world is doing its level best to normalize these these lusts of the flesh in normal society. It's normal for drunkenness. Today, it's normal for sexual immorality. Today, it's normal for rivalries and anger. What used to be taboo just 20 years ago is the new normal today. Today, people rely on this armor as part of their identity. They hold rallies for this armor. They create holidays for this armor. Make excuses for this armor. Today, 16 states have declared a public health crisis over pornography. Over 1 million people each day in the world are infected with an STD. Today, global alcoholism has risen 70%. Today, every 62 minutes, someone dies of an eating disorder. It seems like the armor that the world has given us to fight our battles is just killing us quicker. And we wonder why life expectancy is declining. Today we look at life as something to survive rather than something to cherish. And we use relationships only to fill a void. The woman at the well used this strange armor in the book of John. As Jesus is headed back to Galilee around midday, he stops by a well in Samaria. A woman comes to draw water and Jesus asks for a drink. The woman angrily asked, who are you to ask a Samaritan woman for a drink? See, she became defensive. She had her armor on. Maybe it was because Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. Maybe it was because in those days no respectable woman ever drew water from the well at the hottest part of the day. Maybe what looked like drawing water from a well was actually running running from her people in shame. But Jesus saw it. He tells her to go get her husband. She says, I don't have one. He says, you're right. You've had five, and the one you're with is not your own. He called out her armor. See, the Samaritan woman thought that maybe if my my bed is full, my heart won't be empty. Maybe if, my, if I have arms to hold me, I won't have to be lonely. Maybe the illusion of love is better than nothing, but the armor she used in the battle of rejection only served to separate her more. Strange armor is simply sinful distraction. So when we rely on the power of sin rather than the power of God, there becomes an estrangement of the relationship a separation. Isaiah 59 2 says your iniquities made a separation between you and me. That's why we can make no provision for the flesh because though the Spirit is willing the flesh is weak and the heart is deceitful. That's why it says in the Bible that not the children of the flesh, that it's not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise. Our armor creates the separation. It's like in my house. In my house, we have velcro on the couch cushions. We're one of those type people. Super bougie. But what this armor is designed to do is it's designed to keep those couch cushions in steadfast position. It's supposed to keep them firm. But what happens is, over time, stuff comes in between the Velcro. It gets broader in between it. Stuff from its environment gets caught in between it, and the couch cushions begin to fall. So it's just like that way with us. Stuff gets in between and causes a separation. We allow our connection to be compromised, and we begin the inevitable slide downward. It's just like the story of Solomon in 1 Kings. Now Solomon was the wisest of kings. God granted him all wisdom when he had asked for it. He had granted him wisdom like he had never known and wealth and favor followed Solomon. It rested on Solomon like a dew. But the one thing Solomon was not to do was to intermarry with foreign wives. Lust of the flesh. That's because God knew something that Solomon didn't. See, God knew that for Solomon to remain steadfast, he couldn't allow his connection to become compromised. He couldn't allow a lot of stuff to come in between. He couldn't give in to the lust of the flesh or it would become the strange armor he wore in the battle of fulfillment. See, Solomon's story was less about a deliberate obedience and more about a subtle separation that comes when we... Choose the wrong armor. James 4 1 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? See, I believe God is giving us a choice today. I believe God is telling us that the armor we choose will determine the outcome of the battle. Ephesians 6 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You know, I had always wondered, why would Paul start with the belt? And then I realized one day that it's because his truth holds it all together. His truth is what should surround us. That when the world is a mess and pushing an agenda, his truth is the thing that keeps us upright. His truth is His Spirit. His truth is His Word. His truth is His mercy. His truth is the righteous self-expression of an almighty God. And it has all power to pull down every lie of of the enemy in the world around us. I believe... That in a world that condemns us, we have to also put on the helmet of salvation. That we can stand firm in the knowledge of a risen Savior. That though we live in a world that defines us by our past, we can state boldly like Job, that I know my Redeemer lives. That the enemy no longer can have dominion over my mind as a child of the Most High, saved by His grace, rooted in His truth, transformed by His Word. I believe he's given us a better armor. The last piece of armor that the world will give you comes in the form of the pride of life. This is anything of this world that leads to arrogance and boasting. Anything that we hide behind that's of ourself. See John makes it clear in 1 John 2:15 that the pride of life comes from the love of the world and that if anyone loves the world the father is not in him. Pride is such a centrally destructive armor because every other sin arises from it. Stealing arises from the pride of possession. Murder comes from the pride of power. Lying comes from the pride of knowledge. It is and always has been the complete anti-God state of mind. It takes Christ off the cross and replaces him with our accomplishments, our desires, our wants. And the world loves nothing more than to fan this flame of pride in our hearts. See, one story we rarely connect with pride is the story of Mary and Martha. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is invited into the home of Martha. She has a sister called Mary. And as Martha's distracted with the preparations that have to be made, Mary just patiently sits at the feet of of Christ and listens to what he has to say. Martha becomes angry. She snaps on Jesus. She says, God, why don't you tell her to get up? Can't you see she's left me to do all the work? See, she became defensive. She had on her armor. See, Martha thought that maybe if she worked hard enough, maybe if the preparations were perfect enough, maybe if she was busy enough, she would be valued enough. But in the battle of pride, strange armor just causes more of a burden. Psalm 38.4 says, For my iniquities have gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they weigh too much for me. First off, I want to say to you that there is a difference between a load and a burden. Galatians 6.5 says that every man should carry his own load. But the difference between a load and a burden is boundaries. When I take away the boundaries on a load... It makes it too big for me to carry. The load grows and it becomes unmanageable. It becomes too heavy. This is what happens when we allow the world to give us an armor not fit for the fight. Whenever we fight spiritual entities with physical elements, we are removing the boundaries of the battle. And just as the spiritual never bows to the physical, when we remove the boundaries, we remove the power. That's because in the physical, we are always working for victory. But in the spiritual, we are working from a position of victory. See, I've seen the last page of the Bible. I can tell you that the battle you're fighting today, it's already been won. The giant you're facing today, it's already been slain. In the words of Billy Graham, I've seen the last page. It's going to be all right. The problem, though, is that we as people become too impatient while waiting for spiritual things to manifest in the physical. We become like the Israelites in Exodus, delivered by the mighty hand of God. And after Moses is up on the mountain for too long, they return to idol worship. They turn back to using strange armor to fight their battles. They had just seen the most massive display of power they were just delivered from 430 years of slavery in Egypt, had their enemy miraculously defeated, and once Moses is up on the day on the mountain for 40 days, they're just like, "Well, he left us to die." It's crazy, but it's us. We're Israel. We're so quick to use things we can see to fight battles we can't. But there's a surefire way to change this. There's a way to take the power back. Ephesians 6 says, take up the whole armor of God. But to take it up, you're going to have to put some stuff down. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. For my burden is light and my yoke is easy. I believe today is the day to restore the boundaries and lighten the burden. I believe today's the day to lay down the world and take up the spirit. Today's the day to put the power back in the battle. I believe the world seeks to put heavy burdens on our shoulders. That the world tries to steal our peace. But I believe God is calling us to fit ourselves with the peace that only Jesus can bring. That even though this world does everything to weigh us down, we can have peace today knowing the battle's won. We can have peace today knowing that he rose from the grave. We can have peace when we call on his name. Because the burdens we bear, he took to the cross. In the story of David, we're told that David was a man after God's own heart. See, David was a man who knew his armor. In 1 Samuel 17, as David is about to kill his giant in the Valley of Elah, the Bible says, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, and the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David in his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. Once he, he walked, he said, I can't fight with these strange armor. See, David knew his armor. As the world around him began to give him armor for a battle they had never won, David said, I can't fight with This armor hasn't been tested, but my armor. My armor saved me from the paw of the bear. My armor saved me from the mouth of the lion. My armor saved me from the wolf in the forest, and I know if I trust him today, he'll save me from the giant in the valley. My armor's never lost a battle. He's always been faithful. And that's how giants always fall. One small act of faith in one big God. As I close, I just want to ask you. Are you fighting a giant today? Are you up against something that just seems too big? Have you been using strange armor to fight battles nobody knows about? I did. For years, I would grab a bottle of alcohol. And fight my battles. I thought if, if I could just cling to this armor. Maybe they wouldn't have to know. If I could just cling to this armor. Maybe they wouldn't know how bad it hurts. I think God wants to give you a better armor today. One that will give you victory in the fight. And not just a distraction for your situation. But you got to lay some stuff down. Are you willing to lay it down? Gracious Heavenly Father, I just ask you to bless every heart under the sound of my voice. Lord, for the people who've been fighting battles no one knows about. Lord, for the people who've been relying on strange armor for too long. Lord, I just ask you, Lord, go to them. Give them the strength. Give them the peace. Build them up, Lord. And help them to conquer their giants. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you today. And we thank you. In Jesus' name.